Well, I'm joined now by the incredibly talented singer-songwriter Lisa O'Neill, who next month will be curating her own concert, Tones That Are Tender and Tones That Are Gruff, at the National Concert Hall here in Dublin. Lisa, good morning to you. Good morning, Miriam. Thanks so much for coming in to studio. Listen, we're going to chat soon. First, you're going to perform for us a song you've just written but not yet recorded, the working title of which is Mother Jones. Mary lost her home Mary kept her mind Mary lost her little lambs The world's not always kind That's an incredible song, Lisa, and I know there's a fascinating story behind it. Why did you write the song and tell me a little about it? And who was Mother Jones? Well, I, I actually debuted that song in a little concert I, I did in, during lockdown for the National Concert Hall. But I, I'm, I've only been kind of chipping away at finishing it recently. Uh, Mother Jones was Mary Harris and she was born in Cork in the 1830s and her family moved. They emigrated to Canada, to Toronto in the 1850s so just after the famine so her early life was that 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 trauma that happened here in ireland so i suppose there were some of the lucky ones who managed to buy a ticket and also made it there uh, healthy and safe and she did and she recognized in in her own writings that she managed to get a decent education she became a teacher she then married a minor george jones was his name i think and they had four children they moved to Mississippi and in the 1860s, and sadly, her husband and her four children died within a couple of weeks of the yellow fever. She survived and in her memoirs, she talks about preparing their, their bodies all on her own for a funeral. She was a very, very strong woman. She was a tiny little woman as well. She was, I think, she was under five foot. So there was... Trauma number two, I suppose. Um, there was the famine, then, then that. She got on with it again, moved on to Chicago where there was a bit of a boom and she opened up a, a dressmaker in the company with another Irish woman. She was working and making dresses for middle class people, but constantly, constantly reminded by the conditions that the working class people were living in. And at this point, I think she counted like up to there were five million immigrants in America working in very bad conditions in factories and in the mines. Her little dress shop went on fire in a, hu- a huge fire that happened in Chicago um, on this particular summer. And she was back to nothing again. And this is where she joined these unions. She started going down into the mines <laughs> and calling the men out of the mines and saying, you have rights and we're going to fight for your rights. Not just the men, but the children as well. There were children going down into these mines, little children who were small enough to go into these little holes. And she marched uh, a couple of hundred children across America to New York at one point to President Roosevelt to fight for their rights to go to school. I mean, this went on for decades, Miriam, her activism. She made her way all around America um, for, for many, many decades. She was up in court and in prison several times. And there was one point in 1904 where a judge said, this is the most dangerous woman in America. 
there was a journalist in the Irish Times who'd follow her around, or not the Irish Times, the New York Times, because she had great headlines. She had great, in her demonstrations, she was coming out with these very powerful lines, which stuck, and eventually she was instrumental in the abolishment of child labour. What a huge achievement, like Amazing. Child labour in America. So one of the very famous lines that she, she came out with was to pray for the dead and fight like hell for the living. It's a great line. It's a great line. Remarkable woman. Tell me now about this special evening you're having at the National Concert Hall next month. What's going to be happening there? It sounds fascinating. Well, it, it is, and I'm delighted. Like The Concert Hall have been so good to me and other songwriters over the years. They do something different you know they often invite us in and commission us to write a song give us a topic give us a subject and then i've had like, some lovely encounters with them and finished some great some songs i'm really happy with because of that and now they've invited me back to host tonight and i've decided i'm going to invite songwriters in songwriters i've worked with over the years uh, and admire some are up and coming some have been around as long as me which isn't that long but <laughs> a while not a child anymore in this field and, and and that we come in and we gather on the night and it'll be cosy. Maybe we'll set it up a bit like the sitting room, like I did during my early lockdown concert in the concert hall and discuss where the song comes from and hear what my guests decided to take to stage that night. And the title is of you, you're calling it Tones That Are Tender and Tones That Are Gruff. I mean, is that an indication as to the type of songs you'll discuss and perform? Well, first of all, it's a quote from Percy French's Come Back, Paddy Riley to Bally James Duff, which I sing. Great. I love to sing. But it's a nice way of looking at the bittersweet of music and poetry and, and literature. You know, there's tender and gruff in, in all of it, really, and all our topics that we want to look at, Miriam. You, of course, grew up surrounded by music, didn't you? In County Cabin? Yes, I did, yeah. Dad's a musician, my mother, a very creative minded person as well, but not in the traditional sense. Like my father is a drummer and played in the show bands and my first instrument was the whistle and it was in a marching band, not in the traditional Irish session. So I didn't start singing really until I started playing guitar at the age of 14. But yes, music in the house all the time. And you always loved songwriting. I mean, did you write your first song when you were eight? I think I did, but I hid it. I was embarrassed about it, but I had notions about putting the, uh, the questions and ideas into song form very early, yeah. You've, of course, written four albums to great acclaim. Are you working on a fifth? We just signed off the master to the fifth album yesterday, so I'm delighted it's coming out in February, first single out in, in November, actually, and it's the first one to go out with Rough Trade. We're really excited about it. Is it a mixture of excitement and nervousness or not? I mean, you've had four really successful albums, which is the fifth, therefore. Is it easier not to worry about it or do you no. worry just as much? <laughs> I, I don't know if worry is the right word. I'm apprehensive and I hope that people like it because as you progress and you gather an audience who are interested, you want to hold on to them and I don't know what they want or what they like. Um, and because I've had so much time on my own over the last four or five, four years, off the road I don't know if it's in keeping with it's called All of This Is Chance that's the name of the album so we'll see <laughs> we'll see what they think good title did you change during lockdown yeah in what way became more introverted or 
if anything, give in to the introvert within me. I've become more conscious of what I say. And I think we had a bit of a flow of social movement among us just constant all the time and and then it stopped and now I I I question all of that I question how I am in socially I think a lot of people do yeah it did it definitely changed me um and I I'm not ready to say yet was it good or bad I was just gonna ask you that don't know interesting (laughs) definitely evocative okay you're going on tour shortly. I know a number of your gigs, of course, are sold out. Where are you going to start the tour? Well, I, I can't remember where the first date begins. Was it an Irish tour, which I'm really, really looking forward to. I love, I, I mean this now, I travel a lot of the world, but I, I, I like traveling this country more than any other. It's just a small country, but it continues to show me things I didn't know about. You know, it's mysterious. I love Ireland. Well, I have your dates. You're going to be in Belfast, Empire Music Hall on November the 2nd, in the Spirit Store in Dundalk on the 3rd of November, in Sandinas and Derry in the 4th, and then you're going to Cork, Limerick, Galway, Sligo and Dublin. All details and dates are available on lisaoneal.ie. I can't wait. And tickets for the special evening with you, Lisa, and friends at the National Concert Hall are available on nch.ie. Thanks so much, Lisa. Oh, and thank you, Miriam. Great to see you. And continued success. Tweet at Miriam O'Cal. You can text us 51551. Email Miriam at rt.ie. You can find me on Twitter at Miriam O'Cal. Well, lovely reaction to Lisa O'Neill. I'll bring you one. Frank Greedy says, great to hear Lisa O'Neill. Prompts memories of some lovely Sunday night sessions with her in Walters of Stony Bad.